0: Well good morning everyone. Uh, Apparently uh, we're not going to have any announcements today so that's why we had a bit of a delay but uh, I wish I could say good to see you all but it is good to be here this morning. Pardon me just one moment and one thing that I will make you aware of we have been rebroadcasting some messages that have been handpicked from previous services uh, over the last couple of years. Things that are an encouragement to us, things that are reminding us to stay the course. And this Wednesday night, uh, we're going to have a special time together, a live evening, if you will. We'll have a time of worship. And then our good friend Don Stewart is going to be joining us. And Don and I are going to uh, open the time with a bit of a prophetic update. And then we'll take some live questions. We've also had some uh, come in online already. So I encourage you to tune in this Wednesday night. You can watch uh, via, via where many of you are watching now. Uh, facebook live or you can go to our website at cctustin.org and tune in there so again don stewart right here live wednesday night don and i doing a live q a and a brief uh, prophecy update to begin the evening well with that said would you open your bibles this morning or evening or afternoon wherever you are to mark chapter 10 and though we're a bit off schedule so to speak for visiting our word for the year and every year if you're watching online maybe for the first time we have a word that we focus on throughout the course of any given year and the first sunday of every month we look at the word and the verses associated with it each and every month and again uh, we're in the middle of the month obviously but i do have to say that the providence of our sovereign god directing us through these difficult times through a string of encouragements and reminders will take us to a place again today where we are going to hear something we all need to hear now i have to say when looking at the verses that the lord gave me for our word for the year which is trust by the way a very timely word i purposely set our uh, set of verses in the month of april because it's tax time and our chapter is going to be our verses are going to be about uh, trusting in god versus trusting in riches and obviously if you could see the front of the podium it says trusting God is greater than trusting riches and that's where you would say amen you don't have to be here to say amen by the way now normally we would be doing things differently but to say things have changed would be the greatest understatement of our day I believe and I also believe that God wants us to be where we are and he has timed our examination of our verses this morning because we all need to hear them Now Proverbs 24 gives us uh, an important and timely reminder also where verses 21 and 22 say, My son, fear the Lord and the king. Do not associate with those given to change, for their calamity will rise suddenly, and who knows the ruin those two can bring. Now, we have changes being forced upon us right now. Some are valid. Others are, without question, efforts of those with a progressive globalist agenda to advance their cause interesting of late we found a story back in mississippi where churchgoers were fined 500 dollars apiece for sitting in their cars with their windows up listening to their pastor online or through the radio as they sat in the church parking lot while at the same time patrons in a local drive-up restaurant in the same town on the same morning were in their cars having food served to them with their windows down, and they were unsighted by the local police who were giving tickets to Christians sitting in the parking lot with their windows rolled up, listening to a message from the word of God. Listen, there are efforts today to change life in the world as we know it, and some of them we are not to associate with, nor those who want to make those changes, even as we remember, All things work together for good to those who love God, who are the called according to his purpose. And by the way, that's us. We are the called of God according to his purpose. Now, not all change is for the better. And many of the changes that some in power want to make today would be to the detriment of both our nation and our world. Yet in the midst of all the changes we're experiencing, there remains a constant. And that constant is found in Malachi 3.6, where the Lord says, I am the Lord, I do not change. Therefore, you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. And what the Lord is saying is that he is continuously faithful, he is constantly merciful, and because of his great mercies, the children of Jacob are not consumed. Now listen, as the progressives seek to fundamentally change our country and our world, We need to keep our eyes and our focus on the unchanging God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I'll urge an amen out of you once again there at home. Now, as I said a moment ago, I prayed and sought the Lord for the passages that would build our trust throughout this coming year, and I had no idea how badly we would need it. Many of you are being stretched in multiple ways at this point in time many are being put in positions they never imagined themselves to be in and I thought it rather comical yet true that someone posted on social media the other day they never imagined that someday they would walk into a bank wearing a mask asking for money and we're all doing things we never expected to do whoever expected to wait in line to get in a grocery store, and then wait in line in the grocery store to get to the cash register some six feet or more apart. Whoever expected that you could go in the water at the beach, but you couldn't go in the parking lot in order to access the beach. No one expected any of these things. And for those of you in the Midwest uh, or other parts around the world who don't access have access to the beach, we understand you're going through your own challenges as well. And there are restrictions that are limiting your access to places you are used to going to. So in all that we are experiencing right now, let me remind you of both our word for 2020 and our theme verse as well from Psalm 37, 3, where we're told to trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Now the Hebrew word for trust used in Psalm 37, 3 is betacht. And it means confident, secure, bold. It can mean carefree, not careless, but carefree. And it also means hopeful. And we need to be hopeful in such a time as this. And last month, we added this to our study of the word trust from Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, a famous pairing of verses. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. And we need his direction in times such as these. And I know you would agree. Now from this, we noted that Webster defines trust as reliance on the integrity, strength, and ability of another. Confident expectation is another way that Webster defines trust. And it defines trust as a person on whom one relies and the example that Webster's dictionary used to make their case for their uh, definition in a sentence is God is my trust. So, in times that are hard personally, in times where we are at war like never before spiritually, in times when mankind is spiraling toward the tribulation globally, There is one thing for us to remember above all else, and that is the title of our time and our country's motto, the United States of America, established as its national motto in 1956. Our title this morning, In God We Trust. Now, we've long known this conceptually, but now we've been forced to live and apply it practically, which is obviously a good thing. And in times such as these, remember... "'God cannot fail, his word cannot be voided, "'and the gates of hell will not prevail against his church.'" And there I know you at home are saying a hearty amen. Now, I personally believe that when the church is forced into irrelevance or becomes compliant to the demands of the leftist globalist, the time for the church age has come to an end and Jesus is coming soon. Now, until then, and in the meantime, we need to trust in the Lord with all of our hearts. We need to not lean on our own understanding of things that we are now experiencing. And things may not be pleasant. Things may not make sense right now. But church, listen today. Get ready. Jesus is coming. Soon we'll be going home. Now, our text needs little introduction, though we will mention its content because it's a familiar story of an exchange between Jesus and and a man the Bible refers to as the rich young ruler. Now this young man came to Jesus and said to him, "'Good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life?' And Jesus answered him according to Jewish thinking, setting him up for what he really needed to hear. And he said to him, "'You know the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother.'" And he answered and said to him teacher the young young man speaking to jesus now teacher all these things i have kept from my youth now jesus then immediately pointed out the insufficiency of the law and without uh, having a capacity to save when he said one thing you lack he didn't refute the fact that the young man had kept the law he said you still lack one thing and basically what he did was transfer the responsibility from outer works into an inner work of the heart that only God can do. He says, one thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have and give, it, give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come take up the cross and follow me. The next thing we read in the narrative is that the young man, young man went his way sorrowful for he had many riches. Now, our focus in a time where many have had their finances put in an at-risk situation is going to be on the conversation that Jesus had with his disciples that followed this well-known event. We're going to have three reminders here this morning, three words of encouragement, three, three things that hopefully remind us that the object of our trust is God himself. So let's take a read through the conversation, and then we'll revisit And find three reminders that it is in God that we trust. It'll be from Mark chapter 10. We'll read verses 23 through 31. Mark chapter 10. Then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were astonished at his words, but Jesus answered again and said to them, Children, how hard it is for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And they were greatly astonished, saying among themselves, Who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said, With men it is impossible, but not with God. For with God all things are possible. Then Peter began to say to him, See, we have left all and followed you. So Jesus answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake in the Gospels, who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children, children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first and lord we ask now that in these very strange and odd circumstances that we have been forced into to have our time together today we thank you that you are a god who can anoint a sanctuary and a home and individuals and we don't have to be in the same place to experience the same work of your spirit so move in the hearts and homes and minds and offices or wherever people are seated and watching today and would your spirit speak to us we pray and give us ears to hear what you're saying. We ask it in and through the name above all others, the name of Yeshua, the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Now, the first thing I'd like to draw your attention to is that Jesus' statement about how hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God stupefied the disciples. The Greek word, uh, thombeo, is translated as astonished, but it can mean to frighten or terrify. So that the statement Jesus made was terrifying and stupefying to the disciples. And then we also need to note that there is no record of an exchange of words beyond that with Jesus and his disciples, but he simply answered the look of terror and surprise on their faces, where he basically exegetes his own statement. And gives further clarity when he says children, which by the way, it's the only time in the Gospels where Jesus refers to the 12 in this manner. And then he says how hard it is for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God. And then he illustrates the point by contrasting the largest animal in the Middle East, a camel, with the possibility or the impossibility rather of passing through the eye of a needle noting the impossibility of trusting in riches as a means of salvation is the point of his illustration. Now it's also important to note that God has nothing against wealth. He is not against the wealthy. And in looking back in Israel's history, Abraham was a very wealthy man. David was a very wealthy man. And God himself made David's son Solomon the richest and wealthiest man in the world. So the problem is not wealth. The problem is not the wealthy. The problem Is where you put your trust. This is what Jesus is talking about, trusting in riches, not having them, but rather them having you. And in 1 Timothy 6 17 to 19, Paul writes to young Timothy, Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Let them do good that they may be rich in good works, which obviously is far better, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come, that they may lay hold on eternal life. And Paul is telling Timothy, hey, tell those who are wealthy within the congregation to make sure they consider the needs of other people, thus storing up a good foundation for themselves in eternal life. Now, the problem again With the rich young ruler was not that he had money, but that money had him. It was his identity. And like many today, most likely it's where he found his sense of self-worth. And hence the warning of Paul to the rich in this present age to not think that money makes you better than anyone else. Don't be haughty in your thinking. And what astonished the disciples so much was that the Jews believed that the rich in this life We're rich because they please God the most. And Jesus said in contrast to their thinking and in conflict with that kind of teaching that the exact opposite is true. The rich often struggle with finding their self-worth and importance in their money and it is the object of their trust as proven by the rich young ruler going away sad. Now Proverbs also reminds us in 23.5, will you set your eyes on that which is not For riches certainly make themselves wings. They fly away like an eagle toward heaven. And I've heard so many people who are wealthy who have talked about how many times they've gained and lost fortunes over the course of their lifetime. Now to set your eyes on something is like saying to have your primary focus upon. And the Proverbs remind us of something we've all said, money talks. And as I've said before, what i found money usually says is goodbye. It's hard to hang on to for most of us, I know, because there are so many pressing needs around us for our families and homes and other life experiences. Now, I want you to think about what we're experiencing right now and how the overvaluing of having riches is impacting every one of us today. I'm sure we've all seen on social media or even in mainstream media, Bill Gates' face popping up all over the place. And he is the second largest donor to the World Health Organization. He is second behind the United States and he is in front of the United Kingdom. A private individual is the second largest donor to the World Health Organization. And they are trying to determine and force upon us how we handle this current healthcare scare. Now, why does Bill Gates have a voice? because he is the second largest donor to the World Health Organization. Listen, he has no medical training. He is not an infectious disease doctor. He's not a virologist. He's not an immunologist. He's just rich. And the fact is he bought himself a table. He has no business sitting at. And this is why the Bible warns us about placing a value that is inappropriate on personal wealth. Jesus said to the disciples, riches can't buy you into heaven nor are they a sign that you are pleasing to and blessed by God more than other people. So what is it that we can glean as a reminder in this time that will help us spiritually, primarily, help us mentally and emotionally as well during this difficult season we're all sharing in. Here's the first thing I want you to remember especially for those of you who have been told to stay home from work and applied for unemployment and seeing things uh, dwindle away quickly because of the lack of income listen let's remember this the greatest expression of god's favor is knowing him the greatest expression of god's favor is knowing him i love the saying that we need to seek his face not just his hand and in the hebrew the face the word actually means the part that turns it speaks of one's uh nature and character and his attention And we need to be seeking after the Lord, and not simply the fact that he is a God who provides, though he is. We need to seek out who God is, become more intimate with him, know more about him and his attributes and majesty. And our prayer life, even now, should not be limited to, Lord, I need, Lord, give me, Lord, help me, at least not within the framework of material needs. We need to pray, Lord, I need you. Lord, help me to know you more. Lord, give me your desires that I may satisfy my efforts on those things. Listen, I'm not saying don't ask for the Lord's help when things are tight, nor am I saying that God doesn't help us with material and practical needs. But what we need to remember in the midst of all this is what Galatians tells us in three twenty six to 28. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Somebody say amen out there. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female for you are all one in Christ Jesus. James would add this in 1, 9 and 10. Let the lowly brother glory in his exaltation but the rich in his humiliation because of the flower of the field he will pass away. And what James is saying is that knowing Christ is a great equalizer. It exalts the lowly. It brings down the the exalted to the same level. The rich are, are humiliated in the sense that they are brought down to the same level as anybody else in that we all need a savior and that savior is Jesus Christ. For in him, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There's no racial distinctions. There's neither slave nor free. There's neither male nor female. Christ makes us all one and we are equal and have equal access to the Father through Christ Jesus. Now, this tells us something we need to remember at this time, especially those who are struggling with many of the things that are happening and now being reported because of this shutdown and the shelter at home directive we have been given all around the country and many others as well. People are beginning to wonder, does God see me? Does he know that I'm struggling? Does he care about my needs? And one thing we need to remember, especially for those who say and make accusations against God, listen, if God was a God of love, you would never go through anything painful or difficult. But what James tells us, what we just learned, obviously, uh, all throughout Scripture, is that within the body of Christ, there are people of all financial statuses in life. There's employers and there's employees, as Galatians says. There's the financially lowly and the wealthy, as James says. And this eliminates tough financial times of being a sign of God's disfavor and bountiful times as his favoritism. And before we move on, let me quote one of the most often misapplied verses of the New Testament and those that go before it in order to understand the actual context of the statement. The famous and misapplied verses Philippians 4 13 but verse 12 will help us understand what it means Paul says this I know how to be abased and I know how to abound everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry both to abound and to suffer need and then he says the famous quotation I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me strengthens him to do what to abound and suffer need to be full and to be hungry, to be abased and to have abundance. And again, listen this morning, evening or afternoon, whatever it may be for you. The financial hardships that some are going through are real and they are matters for concern. But in them, we need to remember that it's in God we trust. Even when finances are tight, even when you don't know where the next meal is going to come from, as Paul said, listen, I can do abundance and I can do difficulty. He can do bounty and he can do struggles. And we too can do them through Christ who will strengthen us. And I say these things for this reason. I never want to minimize the hardships that people are going through or minimize the financial difficulties that people are facing immediately, especially some who are still waiting for their stimulus check from the government and so many things are getting Held up, which would put food on the table for some or pay a few bills. But the truth is we need to keep our eyes on the Lord Jesus during these times because it will help us maintain an emotional stability that so often overtakes us and drives us to decisions and beliefs that are inconsistent with who God is. Now, look at 26 and 27. And they were greatly astonished, saying among themselves who then can be saved. But Jesus looked at them and said, with men it is impossible, but not with God. For with God, all things are possible. Now the camel and eye of the needle illustration led the disciples to being greatly astonished. And there's a different Greek word that is used here translated as astonished, and it is ekplanao. And it means to expel by a blow and the meaning is the same as a common phrase we would use today in other words what the bible is saying is jesus illustration of the rich entering heaven liking it uh, into a camel going through an eye of a needle is simply they were blown away by what jesus said which led to their question which we could understand this way if those greatly blessed in life aren't the saved people then who can be saved and jesus answer was again in paraphrase man can't save himself But with God, he can do even the impossible, including saving anyone's rich or poor perishing soul. And in the context, we could say, no matter who they are, no matter what they have or don't have, God can save them. And thinking back to our first point, we've mentioned many times over the years how God's love for us is not measured by the ease or difficulty of circumstances. The love of God is measured by the cross of Christ. And that's how we understand god's love not the absence of problems not the absence of pain but rather the pains that he endured on the cross to buy you and i back from the law of sin and death now jesus put it like this in the sermon on the Mount, matthew 5 43 to 48 you have heard it said you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy but i say to you love your enemies bless those who curse you and do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. Now listen close. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and the good, and sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward of you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? See, the first century IRS had a bad reputation too. And if you greet your brethren only, what do more you do more than others? Don't even the tax collectors do so? Therefore you shall be perfect, just, as your Father in heaven is perfect. How are you doing with that perfect thing? Well, we need to understand what the word means. The word perfect means complete in labor, growth, mental, and moral character. And we need to be advancing in all these things as children of God. Now, there are many things we could say about these verses, but the portion that applies to you and I and our time together today is that God is good. And Luke 6, 35 adds that He is kind to the unthankful and the evil. How so? The rain waters the field of the farmer, no matter their belief or unbelief in him. The sun rises and warms the home of all people, whether they are evil or good, because this is who God is. He is good. He is faithful. He cannot deny himself, and he is faithful to keep the ordinances he established even at initial creation, operating today. He sends the rain on the field of the good and the evil the sun rises on the evil and the good as well now this underscores our need to distance ourselves from the belief that material blessings are the indicator of divine favor or acceptance and that means that the reverse is true as well the fact is God allows hard things to come our way And the believer experiences the same things that non-believers experience many times in this fallen world. Christians and non-Christians alike get cancer. Christians and non-Christians alike get COVID-19. Christians and non-Christians alike have car accidents. And some might say, so then what's the advantage of being a Christian? Because this life is not all there is. That's the advantage. And there has not been promised to us a bed of roses or those who believe in Christ as Savior and Lord, never having any problems. And let me remind you of Hebrews eleven thirty-two 32 to 39 and encourage you today, where the author of Hebrews says, what more shall I say? For the time he'd already given a list of names of those that God had used mightily, men and women of faith throughout the ages. For the time would fail to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, also of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of the lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again. I hope you're standing and shouting hallelujah at home here. Others were tortured. Now things just got quiet. Not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trials of mockings and scourgings, yes, and chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. Tradition says Isaiah the prophet was sawn in two lengthwise. They were tempted. They were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, and tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves through faith. They did not receive the promise and all these, I'm sorry, all these having a good testimony through faith did not receive the promise, God having provided something better for us that they should not be made perfect apart from us. This is a list of Old Testament saints and people of faith. Now, I think all of us signed up for the subduing kingdoms, stopping the mouths of lions, quenching the violence of fire, escaping the edge of the sword, seeing the dead raised aspects of living for God, we're all in for all those things. But that's not where the hall of faith ends. Even though there were those in the hall of faith who had such experiences, the text goes on to say, some experienced those things, while others had the opposite experience. And they're even described as people whom the world was not worthy of. Yet they could not be made perfect apart from us, meaning they needed the same savior that was supplied by God, and is now and always has been the king of, or always will be the king of the Jews. Now, let me remind you of another individual who will set, hopefully, our thinking right in these difficult times where Job 2, 3 to 10, when the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil? And he still holds fast to his integrity, although you incited me against him to destroy him without cause. So Satan answered the Lord and said, skin for skin, yes, all that a man has he will give for his life, but stretch out your hand now and touch his bone and his flesh, and he will surely curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, behold, he is in your hand, but spare his life. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and struck Job with painful boils from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. And he took for himself a potsherd or a piece of clay pot with which to scrape himself while he sat in the midst of the ashes. Then his wife said to him, do you still hold fast to your integrity? Curse God and die. But he said to her, you speak as one of the foolish women speaks. Shall we listen close now? Shall we indeed accept good from God and shall we not accept adversity? In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. Now, here's why this is important. A lot of times when things get hard, families and couples begin to have words with one another and say things with one another that are foolish and should not be said. And oftentimes within the sanctity of the home, a place that ought to be a sanctuary and a place that honors God. Things are said about God that shouldn't be said. And Job's wife gave very foolish counsel. Why don't you just curse God and die? Why are you hanging on to your integrity? And listen, you may be in a shelter-in-place situation now and things may be difficult for you, but don't let the enemy sow these kind of thoughts in your mind. Many of you may feel the way Job's wife was feeling at this point. Remember Job had just lost everything he had and he just lost everything he loved, save the wife we just met a moment ago. And many of you may feel that way right now. And none of us like the fact that God allows adversity, yet we shouldn't be greatly astonished that he does. But what we do need to recognize is this. Now listen. Again, for those who are going through hardship and difficulty. This is just a word of encouragement for you and a reminder to keep our thinking in the right direction. Listen, going through trials with God is far better than facing them on your own. Going through trials with God is far better than facing them on your own. Now, I don't have counsel to tell you how to avoid them because the Bible says they're going to come our way. And let me just say this today. I don't want to get COVID-19. I don't want anything to do with it. I don't want to go through trials. I don't want to have hardship of any kind. I want to live a good, full, happy, problem-free life, be taken in the rapture and skip the whole death thing. That's what I want. But I've been sick at times. I've experienced hardship at times. Terry and I have lost loved ones over the years. We've had major financial trials as a couple and family and very, very hard times over the years. But we've still lived a good, full, and happy life in spite of those things. And at times, we have been one another's counselor. We have been the encourager of one another, not one who would say, why are you still holding on to this God thing? Why don't you just curse God and get on with your life and die? No, we have been reminding one another of how faithful God is and how good he has been and how he has already taken care of the most important thing in our life and that is saving our perishing souls. And we have been able to do so because the Lord is our strength and he passed through all those things with us and he is with you. Isaiah 41.10 says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. Pointing back to our first point. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And listen today, this utopian, somebody else is going to pay all my bills and take care of all my needs, existence that many are seeking today is not going to happen. God requires that his people work and that they care for themselves and their families. And thus he is going to allow us to do so in the future, hopefully the not too distant future. But listen today, the problem, pain, and trouble-free existence cannot happen here because we live in a sinful and fallen world that we need to be saved in and from through Jesus Christ. And listen, yes, the ebb and flow of the materialistic society we live in ebbs and flows in our lives as well and the difference for you and I is we face the ebb and flow with God at our side and I don't like that he allows afflictions in this life any more than you do but I do like that he has banned them completely in the next life in existence which is the eternal one so in these seemingly impossible times we must put our trust in him and remember that he is with us that he has saved us and that he will deliver us someday and will be forever in heaven with him. That's where you all say, amen. Now, let's examine an interesting portion of this exchange once again, as we look at Peter now stepping up. And he began to say to Jesus, see, we've left all and followed you. So Jesus answered and said, assuredly, I, I say to you, there's no one who has left house or brothers or sisters Or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my sake and the gospels, who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. And he's simply talking about many who had everything in this life, and those who have nothing in this life will reverse uh, their order in the next life now it's no surprise that peter steps up and says what everybody else was thinking what about us what about me and the other guys we've left everything to follow you you said follow me and we did we left everything behind our families and everything else and jesus makes the point of what we're going to receive in this life for leaving our old life behind he said in essence you're going to get a new family And their houses will be your house. And there'll be a place of fellowship for all of you, as we see in the book of Acts. The early church went from house to house, breaking bread. And their family was extended. And it was blood relatives that they were meeting with. It was just the blood of Jesus that was the common feature between them. Now, in essence, what Jesus says to Peter, if this happened to you, if anyone has made that decision and left everything behind, his statement or his response was simply, You're never going to regret it. Now, before you get out your calculators, let me just say that receiving a hundredfold is a figure of speech, not an equation. So if you paid your tithe or offering or whatever, you don't need to get out your calculator and figure out what you're going to get back. That's not what he's saying. It's just simply a figure of speech that you're not going to regret it and it will be rewarding to make such decisions. Now, Jesus reminds us that the Father sees what we have done and all that we have gone through, and those who have left all and lost all for his sake in the Gospels and were even persecuted for having done so are going to be blessed with this life with a family of fellow believers, and eternal life in the age to come is going to be a great reward. Now, let me show you what Jesus was talking about and how it looks like, uh, what it looks like in this life. Another man who referred to himself as John the Beloved, one of the two notorious Sons of Thunder that Jesus uh, labeled them, Boanerges, the the Sons of Thunder, James and John. John was the last apostle to die of the original 12. And tradition says that John, in an effort to kill him slowly and torturously, was boiled in oil to bring him to a painful and slow death. Now, whether that's true or not, I do know it's tradition. But what I know for sure about John is this. In Revelation 1:9, John says, I, John, your brother and companion in the tribulation and kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ was on the island that is called Patmos. Why? For the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. In other words, leaving all and following Jesus caused John to wind up at the end of his life on the isle of patmos now here's what we need to remember and why this is so important john is the one to whom jesus entrusted the care of his mother mary as jesus hung on the cross john is the one who referred to himself as we mentioned as the disciple whom jesus loved this is the man along with his brother james and peter who was one of the three most intimate and close uh, earthly companions with jesus yet As an old man, he's banished to a penal colony because of his love and dedication to Jesus Christ. And yet, even with that experience, after long serving the Lord, he would write this after his release from Patmos and return to Ephesus. In 3 John 2 through 4, Beloved, John the Beloved says, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health. See, that's a good and valid prayer. Just as your soul prospers. For I rejoice greatly when brethren came and testified of the truth that is in you. Just as you walk in truth. Now listen to what he says. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. And John's relationship with Jesus as close and intimate as it was. As Jesus walked and lived here on the earth. Did not exempt him from trials. And our relationship with Jesus won't either. As a matter of fact, there are times where it's going to be the cause or reason for some of the tribulations we encounter in this life. And yet John could write as a man in his 90s that there was no greater joy for him than to hear that some whom he loved and cared for as one would care for their own children were walking in truth. Peter says, Jesus, we left everything to follow you. Jesus says, no one who's done that and encountered the persecutions associated with it will not experience blessings that far outweigh anything they endure. Now listen, here's our final takeaway reminding us that it is in God we trust. And again, this is just a word of encouragement for those out there who are battling financial difficulties and woes and other things associated with it with the shelter-in-place order. Listen, nothing, if you're at home, say nothing. Nothing we encounter in life can diminish the value of being saved. Nothing we encounter in life can diminish the value of being saved. Now think about Job, a man whose trials and tribulations and sufferings were so great, they had become an idiom, even among non-believers, people all over the world use the phrase the sufferings of job and though they may not know the specifics they know his name is associated with afflictions and sufferings and outside of his wife again who was a terrible counselor telling him to curse god and die job also had three friends who came to him and said listen this isn't the way god treats people you have to have done something that has displeased him all these things that happen to you are your own fault job You had to have brought this upon yourself because God doesn't let people go through hardships and suffer pain the way you have. And yet, it was God who said that Job was a blameless and upright man who fears the Lord and shuns evil. So Job's three friends were completely wrong. Now here's part of Job's response to the accusations of his friends. In Job 13, the first portion of verse 15, he says of God, though he slay me, Yet will I trust him. There's our word, but talk. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. And listen, no matter how bleak the outlook or how dire the circumstances we may experience, nothing can diminish the value of knowing God and being saved. But listen, if there is a mantra for us today, let it be the mantra that has been that of our nation since 1956 In God we trust. Listen, I don't like it as I've said. I make no bones about it. I don't like it any more than you. But we're never going to have everything go our way in this life. And there's going to be good times and there's going to be hard times. But the fact is, in light of eternity and what our existence will be like forever, we too can and should say as Job, no matter what comes my way, in God I will trust. So I encourage you, especially those of you who are just baffled by all this as we are, who don't understand why God would allow something like this to come our way. And believe me, you're not alone. First of all, believe me, you're not alone. This is a hard thing. And it's interesting that it's not just a localized thing, it's a global thing. Economies are collapsing all over the world. Businesses are shuttering uh, their doors who've long been family businesses all over the world, it's already happening. This is an an economic disaster of an unprecedented scale. One gentleman that I uh, listened to reported yesterday that the uh, percentage of the 22 million of the representative percentage of our population being 22 million people who have filed for unemployment is equivalent to the depression era. This is serious business, this is a hard thing. And listen, here's why I wanted to bring this message to you today now is not the time to abandon your understanding of who god is now is not the time to let the devil get in your home and this is one of the exhortations of scripture where we're told what god has joined together let not man separate and the word separate means to place room between and this is one of the exploitations of the devil he wants hardship to be a vehicle by which he places room between husbands and wives and families and children and separates us in our thinking and causes one of us to be a foolish counselor To the other yet we ought to always be speaking things that encourage one another and help each other get through these difficult times and one of the things that i have found throughout the years and i mentioned this a few moments ago it has been amazing when terry and i have gone through some of our seasons where life has been hard and things came our way that we didn't understand one of the things that i've always found to be so vital to our household and to our outlook and perspective on what we were going through, is God never allowed both of us to be emotionally down at the same time. One of us was always picking the other up. One of us was always encouraging the other. One of us was always saying to the other, Come on, we can do this. God is faithful. He'll get us through. And He always has. And He'll get you through, too. And this is what Paul was saying to, when he wrote to the Philippians Listen, I've done it all. I've been hungry and I've been well fed. I've had an abundance of finances and I've had uh, a lack of them. But he said, I'll tell you one thing I've learned, I can do it. I can do it through Christ who will strengthen me. So listen, you keep praying, you keep petitioning. And even when Jesus was asked by the disciples, and I always look at the Lord's prayer as we've labeled it, as basically the disciples saying, you know what? This guy prays different than we do. He's talking to somebody and having an intimate conversation. And so the disciples came to Jesus and said, hey, teach us how to pray. And Jesus' response was, hey, start by honoring the Father. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Is your name above all other names. It is the great name of the King of the universe, the King of heaven. And then he walked through some other specifics. But he included one single statement that concerns God supplying all our need and him taking care of us. And he said, give us this day our daily bread. And listen, that's how we ought to frame our prayer life right now. Lord, get me through today. Don't borrow trouble from tomorrow. Lord, help me get through this day and let God take care of things one day at a time. And he is faithful. And listen, I, I, I wish that, you know, those surprise checks would show up in the mail or the person would leave the envelope full of cash or whatever. I wish that would happen all the time. But you know, the truth is, hardship teaches us to trust in the Lord. It teaches us to trust in the Lord with all of our hearts. I wish it was just a spiritual gift, like patience that God just gave us and we didn't have to learn it. But the truth is, we need to learn these things. And listen, God is going to be faithful to you. He is going to get you through. But don't be petitioning him for what's going to happen next year. Lord, get me through today. Help me to make it through this day with my trust in you intact and let not the devil get in my head, control my emotions, change my thought, help me to take every thought captive that seeks to uh, exalt itself against the knowledge of Christ and what he has done for me. And listen, I hope this ends tomorrow. I hope they lift this whole thing and we all get back to work in COVID-19 and the coronavirus that caused it, goes away. I'm sure we all hope that. But we didn't see this coming, but here it is. And yet we have the steadfast word of God that abides forever to hang on to, to remind us constantly and continually it is in God who changes not that we have placed our trust. He's not going to let you down. Well, I haven't been able to pay my bills. That doesn't mean he let you down. It just means you're living in a fallen world. Well, I don't know. I might lose my business. That doesn't mean he let you down. It just means you're living in a fallen world. Listen, those things, again, aren't to be minimized. They're real. They're hard. They're painful. And nobody wants them, and I don't wish them on anybody. And I hope God delivers all of your businesses and everything else that is represented by those watching online. But I'll tell you one thing. What you haven't lost is your salvation. And someday your eternal existence is going to be in heaven forever. That is a death-free, pain-free, problem-free, eternal life. And eternal means eternal. It lasts forever. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard right now. But listen, put your trust in God. It's a far greater value than trusting in what you have or material things. So I hope you're encouraged, and I hope your thoughts maybe have shifted back on to the faithfulness of God and not the difficulty of our circumstances, though they be real and painful and threatening. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. not on what you can understand. In all your ways and every day, acknowledge him. He will direct your path. Do you believe the word of God today? I hope you do, because that's a promise. When God states something, he is able to perform it. and He will be faithful. He cannot deny himself. Father, we are grateful for your word. Thank you for this exchange with your disciples who couldn't understand the fact that uh, material blessings weren't necessarily a sign that someone had lived a life that's pleasing to you but Lord you allow us to go through difficulties even as much as we uh, despise them and would rather not and would like a life that is problem and pain free and thank you for this explanation that you gave to people who think the same way we do Who can be saved? And what's the purpose of this life of persecution and separation that we live? We thank you that you have given us a family that's without uh, borders, really. It's a global family of all who trust and believe on you for salvation. The Lord, as we have said before, I pray that our hearts and minds would turn to and embrace these things that we have yet uh, to understand or even see the finality of with the mindset that we are going to put our trust in you. That you will get us through, even as you've gotten saints through the ages, through the many things they've gone through. And Lord, we recognize that within your body are the lowly and the wealthy and everybody in between. And they're all saved by the same thing, the blood of Jesus Christ, which cleanses us from all sin. Lord, we pray that you would help us to keep our eyes lifted above the moment and fixed upon you, even as we cry out to you, help me in my time of need. Lord, we're thankful for this opportunity to be together, even though it's not in the same room. We're still studying the same book, praying to the same God who is able to do all things. We cry out to you, I pray, Lord, for those who are struggling financially, who are wondering how they're going to make ends meet or pay the mortgage or rent or car payment or any of the other things that burden us today. Lord, I ask that you would supernaturally provide. But Lord, I ask even above that, that you would not allow the difficulties being experienced to cause someone to think, why don't I just curse God and die? Help us, Lord, to take those kind of thoughts captives and bring them into submission of the word of God. We thank you for your faithfulness to us. Help us through these times, we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.